Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. It is so good to have you in service today. Man, we're excited about this series that we're in the middle of, Make Room. And, uh, you know, last week we talked about making room for uh, our vision for our lives that God has over us. And uh, I just want to say next week you don't want to miss. We're going to be having a family, a family chat, and uh, it, you're going to love it, what God is doing at the harbor and the doors that he's opening up and things that are happening. You don't want to miss next week. You're going to get it all. You're going to get the whole thing, PowerPoint presentation, seeing everything. It's, good. it's exciting what God is doing. And so don't miss next week where we're talking about making room in our church for God to do amazing things. Today, I really want to focus on one more area of our personal lives, and that is our availability uh, for God to use us. And, um, you know, a lot of times you, when you clean out a room or you clean out a garage or you clean out a closet, you are making room to put something else in that place. And, and there are so many things coming against us that, that um, it's just clutter. All of the things that we end up spending time doing and and, you know, just the things in our lives that make us crazy, and we have no room for God to work in our lives. And today I want to talk about our availability and making room in our lives for God to use us in a mighty way. How many want that for your life? Amen. That was not as exciting as what I thought. I, maybe you don't want to be used. That's fine. Um, I don't even know where to go from here. Like, maybe I should preach a salvation sermon, and I'm just... John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. No. Um, So there you go. Someone got excited. We got an AED in the hallway there that will get your heart started again. So if we need to use that, maybe if if the hosts come and tap you on the shoulder and go, follow us, that means that you're not as excited as you need to be. Uh, So I want to talk today about making room in our lives. We want to be available for what God is doing. And um, I'm going to take a story that you probably wouldn't think of as fitting in this and maybe at the end of the message, you're like, yeah, that didn't fit. That, that, that's a possibility, but I don't think so. This, message, this, this story that I'm going to share today is a story that, you, you know, we've read it a hundred times, um, but there's some things in it that apply to us, and I feel like it will, it will open your eyes to uh, making room in your life to be available for what God wants to do. And let, let me just say this. You're not over the hill. You're not too old. You're not too young. You're not too this or that. God wants to use every single person in this room. Amen? All right, there, there you're with me. You're with me. All right. Uh, John chapter 2, verse 1. I want to start with the story of Jesus at the wedding of Cana turning the water into wine. And let's just read this story and read this account of what Jesus did, and then we're going we're gonna to tear this story apart, and you're going to see that you and I are in this story all, all through it. It's just amazing. So on verse 1, now on the third day, there was a wedding feast in the Galilean village of Cana, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples were all invited to the banquet, but with so many guests in the attendance, they ran out of wine. And when Mary realized it, she came to him and asked, they have no wine, can't you do something about it? And Jesus replied, my dear one, don't you understand that if I do this, it won't change anything for you? But it will change everything for me. My hour of unveiling, uh, of unveiling my power has not yet come. And Mary then went to the servers and told them, whatever Jesus tells you 
make sure that you do it. Is that typical mom or what? Like the son of God. The son of God's like, woman, it's not my time. She's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Just do what he tells you to do. You're going to do it anyway, Jesus, because I'm still your mom. Typical mom. Now, there were six stone water pots. Everyone say six. There were six stone water pots standing nearby, and they were meant to be used for the Jewish washing rituals. Each one held about 20 gallons or more. Jesus came to the servers and told them, fill the pots with water right up to the very brim. Then he said, now fill your pitchers and take them to the master of ceremonies. And when they poured out their pitcher for the master of ceremonies to sample, the water became wine. And the master of ceremony was impressed, although he did not know where the wine had come from, but the servers all knew. And he called the bridegroom over and said to him, every host serves his best wine first until everyone has had a cup or two, or they're drunk. And then he serves the wine of poor quality. But you, my friend, you reserve the most exquisite wine until now. This miracle in Cana was the first of the many extraordinary miracles Jesus performed in Galilee. This was a sign revealing his glory and his disciples believed in him. Now, what we see here is Jesus, uh, this is his first miracle. He's not uh, been recognized in public as doing any ministry at this point. He was with his disciples. It was pretty much under wraps. Uh, I don't know why he was waiting. Uh, I don't know what he was waiting for, but his mom intervened and kind of hastened it along a little bit, uh, which, is, which is great. Um, but we see here that this is the very first miracle that's recorded in Scripture. And to everyone else at that wedding, they, they looked at him. He was the carpenter's son from Nazareth. That's who he was, and he was with some friends of his. But his mother knew his true purpose and calling. She was the only one. And I want to look at three main elements of this story today that really tie it together for you and I. And, and, and I know this is going to just really open your eyes to um, you know, God's plan for your life. Now, let, let me just say this. In Scripture, uh, never overlook uh, the little things in Scripture because every verse is packed with things. When, when, when the writer finds it significant to, to, to tell you how many of something or to describe it in a way, like to the brim, to, those are key phrases that you, you, should, you should stop and say, okay, why did he find it important to mention that. I'm going to dig deeper. I'm going to go farther. I'm going to find out why that's significant, and that's what we're going to do today. The first thing that I find significant today that plays a vital role in this story are the jars or the water pots. We'll call them the jars today. And, and John tells us that there were how many? Six. Six stone water pots standing nearby. In preparation for this miracle, Jesus looks around the room and finds these six water pots that are probably off in a corner somewhere. And what I find interesting in Scripture is that the number six is significant because the number six uh, uh, is, is completely symbolic of Jesus' 
when he cre- or God, when he created the, the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1, it says that he created man on the sixth day. So number six is a number of man. And we also notice here that these pots were made of stone, earthen vessels. They were made of stone. And Paul describes you and I as believers that are uh, Jars of clay or earthen vessels. So in 2 Corinthians 4, it says, he says, we are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's and not ours. In the King James Version, uh, the writer says, but we have this treasure in earthen ves- vessels, like stone jars, that the excellence of the power of God uh, maybe from him and not of us. So what this is saying is, is that you and I are fragile. You and I are, are earthen vessels. When we die, this body of ours will return to the dust of the earth. That's where it's made from. That's where it's going to return. We are like those clay stone jars. That's, that's exactly what we are like. And like the water jars, Jesus chooses the breakable and the imperfect to house his glory. Jesus chooses the ordinary to house the extraordinary inside of us. Back in the day, in the Bible days, um, it, was, it was not uncommon for homeowners to hide valuables in just ordinary looking vessels and jars because the robbers wouldn't think to look there. And just like these water pots held something extraordinary in them, a, a miracle by, of epic proportions, on the outside they were just regular stone jars. And when God uses you in a mighty way to display his glory, it's a reminder to you and I that it's him and not us that's doing the miracle. And the thing that I think that's interesting is that Jesus used every water pot or every water jar that was available in the room. He didn't say, okay, there's six, give me five of them. He says, give me all of them. And I believe that's because he wants all of us to know that in this room today, he wants to use every single earthen vessel to show the world his glory. Every one of us. No one's left out. You might say, I'm all broken up and cracked and I can't hold it. That's what he'll use you anyway. The jars. It's you and I. The other element that I find interesting in this story is the water. It says that Jesus came to the servants and told them, fill the pots with water right up to what? The brim. The brim. That means that that it's right, it's it's as full as it can be. It's it's starting to spill over the edges. It's it's right to the top. He didn't say fill them three quarters of the way, fill them almost full, fill them to the very brim. And before this miracle of transformation could take place or be set into motion, these things had to be filled to the very brim. I find that interesting because um, it, was, it wasn't with the water that was in them. Uh, just, just, just work with me here for just one second. 
These water pots, these six water pots, were for ceremonial washing. Uh, washing. That's what we've read. So they probably had water in them already, which meant that Jesus would have told the disciples to dump that water out and go to the well and fill these with fresh water. Water is mentioned in Scripture, and it's symbolic of God's Word, whatever you read it in Scripture. In fact, there's a, there's a verse in Ephesians that we share with couples when we counsel them to get married and how uh, husbands should treat their wives. And, and this verse kind of gives us a little window into uh, how water is symbolic in Scripture. And it, and it says in Ephesians 5, And to the husbands you are to demonstrate love for your wives, with the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us, his bride. For he died for us, sacrificing himself. To make us holy and pure, cleansing us through the showering of the pure water of God's word. So God's word is, a, is, is symbolic of water. And, and when John tells us that the water pots were to be filled to the brim with fresh water, what is he telling us? First of all, he's telling us that if we're going to experience the fullness of God in our life, if we're going to experience the miracle-working power of God in our lives, we need to be filled to the brim with the Word of God in our lives. That means that it's intentional. That means that, that we're diving into His Word. I had someone mention to me today, they said, how can I get those revelations like you get when you speak? I said, you can get them. Anyone can get It's not, what do you think, it's a special thing? When you get into the Word of God, and, and instead of just reading it to just get through it, take your time and read every sentence and go, that's interesting. Why does it say that? And start to dig, start to research it. God will start to show you the deep things in His Word. That means that you have to make a daily journey to the well to be filled. That's what it means. In John uh, 1, we know that the Word is Jesus, right? Let me, let me just remind you of a few things. In John 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, capital W. The Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word, Jesus, gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. This is who we're talking about. To be filled with the Word, to overflowing. Paul mentions in the book of Colossians, he says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. There's a whole, there's a whole uh, uh, structure in, in the heavenlies of governmental structure. Everything was created through him and for him, and he existed before anything else, and he holds all creation 
together. So those of you that are having trouble trusting him to come through for you, you need to be reminded that through him all things are not only created but sustained by his word. That means when he says to you and he speaks a, a word of, uh, over your life that it's a fresh word, that that, he, that that word might apply to something that doesn't even exist yet in your life. Philippians 4, Paul said, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Man, when we're filled to the brim with His Word, then we are spiritually setting the stage for God to display His glory through us. It's amazing. The second thing we see in this story is that Jesus wasn't content to use the water that was already in those jars, but all of them had to be emptied and there was fresh water that needed to be uh, put into them. So let me just say this. What happens to water when it sits for a while? So Everyone here has had a kiddie pool before. And you get this kiddie pool, and you fill it up with the hose. And for the first day, it's clean. It looks great. The kids are playing in it. By day two or three, you would never drink out of that because of the, 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 the things in, in the water. It starts to turn a funny color, and there's little things in there, and you would never drink it because stagnant water becomes impure. And that's why fresh water is so important. That's why going to the well every day to get your fresh water of the Word in your life is so important because what's fresh is clean and pure and will cleanse you, but what's stagnant is impure and dirty, and it'll make you sick. I cannot allow my spiritual life to exist on memories of the past. I can't can't, uh, survive today on what God did in my life a year ago or five years ago, or the glory days. But God has a fresh word for you and I every single morning, for his mercies are new every morning. But you have to go to the well. This brings us to another interesting thought in this story. (laughs) Whose responsibility was it to fill the water pots? Was it Jesus? No. It was his servants, his disciples. It's nobody else's responsibilities but your own to fill your own water pot with fresh water. Don't blame it on anyone. Well, I'm not getting fed. That's your fault. You're not going to the well. Well, I'm not this. I'm not, it's, your, it's, it's our responsibility to fill our pots. If we do our thing, God will certainly do his thing. That's what we see in this story. It's our responsibility every day. And it's no accident that the miracle at Cana didn't happen until the water pots were filled. Man, did you... you, you, That that thing that you've been waiting for, that, that breakthrough that you're praying for, maybe it's God saying, when you're filled to the brim, then you'll see it. God wants to give you power. God wants to baptize you with his Holy Spirit. God wants to fill you to overflowing. He has given you everything you need to live a life of godliness. We just don't take advantage of it. 
But God wants you to have it. Why? To bless others, to make a difference in other people's lives, to influence this world. Those water pots were not filled to the brim to stay there in that room. They were filled to the brim to be poured out to bless everyone in that party. The third element of this story that I find that's fascinating is the wine. The wine. This is a pivotal point in the story. In order for the water to become wine in this story, there was an act of faith that had to take place. And, and Jesus said, now fill your pictures, pitchers and take them to the master of the ceremony. Now, you've got you to understand here that whenever wine is mentioned in Scripture, it's usually symbolic of two things, the blood of Jesus. We talk about wine at communion, and, and we talk about the blood of Jesus, which cleanses us from all of our sins and our unrighteousness. But it also speaks of the Holy Spirit, wine. And in this particular context, I believe it's, it's mentioning the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a reference to that because God desires to have an experience with us, a relationship with us, with his people, that where he has promised us power and anointing to accomplish the work that needs to be done. That miracle of the water turning into wine could not have happened in the flesh or in any way physical. It was only through the power and the anointing of God that it took place. And there are things that God has called you to do that you could never accomplish in the flesh, but it's through the power and the anointing that runs through your life to do the miraculous. When you lay hands on people and you pray for healing, it's not you. You're an earthen vessel. It's the power of God working through you. But if our lives are half full, you'll never experience the level of power or anointing that God wants to use. Got to be filled to the brim. And this shows us that we move from receiving God's word to releasing God's word. Think about it. When they had their pictures and they were walking out to the banquet area, they had the word. The, God, the word was already spoken to them. They had the word, but when they released it, that's when the miracle took place. We go from carrying it to releasing it. During the time that it took to get from the water pots to the masters of, of the banquet's table, the miracle happened. The disciples could have waited and said, you know, we want to wait and look in the water pots first, and when the miracle happens, then we will go and pour it out. That's not the way it happened. In fact, if they would have waited like that, I don't think the miracle would have ever happened. But they took the pitchers full of water in faith. See, their, their physical eyes could look into those pitchers, and all they could see is water. But their eyes of faith in their heart could look and say, but Jesus told us to do this, and this is going to have to come out like wine. If they would have just said, Lord, after the water becomes wine, then we'll take it. There's no faith to that, is there? Romans 4, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, that's what the Scripture means when it says, I have made you the father of many nations. He is our example and father, for in God's presence he believed, he's talking about Abraham here, that God can raise the dead. Now, this is the part I want you to listen to. And call into being things that don't even exist yet. I wonder how many things in our lives that don't even exist yet that God can, that wants to call into being by speaking to us. He spoke the world into existence. Day one, I want some trees. They have the appearance of being hundreds of years old. 
in a split second. I don't know if that's what was on day one. I just was throwing it out there. But I'm just saying, he, he just would speak it. Boom, it was over by the end of the day. Man, if he could create everything you're standing on and sitting on by his word, what can he create in your life by his spoken word that doesn't exist yet? And he calls it as though it already exists. I want to be filled to the brim so I can hear it and I can experience it and I can see it. Imagine uh, that the doubt that the disciples and the servants would have had in carrying pitchers with water in them. It was clean water, but it was water. But the obedience released the word that they were carrying. Did you get that? The ob- their obedience released the word that they were carrying. They would, they would have had the thoughts that you and I have, thoughts of fear and doubt and embarrassment. What if this does You know, those two words, what if? Oh, God, what if this goes bad? We're going to be laughingstocks. And if they would have stopped before reaching their destination, they would have ended up with exactly what they started out with, which, with, which was just water. How many people give up? How many people stop the journey because they lose heart, because they're looking at it with physical eyes? They're looking at it and they're saying, I don't see how God could possibly do this, so I'm just going to give up on God. If they would have stopped halfway before pouring that out, it would have still just been water. But they went all the way and they were obedient. You know that, that obedience is not always easy, but obedience is necessary for a miracle to take place. And delayed obedience is disobedience. Jesus said, go take those pictures out. Go to the master's ceremonies and fill his cup. Every miracle in Scripture that we read about is preceded by an act of faith. You look at Joshua, for instance. Joshua, when he was with, he had the Israelites, they, they, they approached the River Jordan. It wasn't until they stepped into the Jordan that the water moved so that they could cross. And it was at height, it was at uh, flood stage, you might remember that, at Gilgal. It wasn't until they stepped in. It, in the New Testament, with Peter, it wasn't until he stepped out of the boat that he was able to walk on water. He could, have, he could have argued the possibilities of doing that. The mathematical, he wasn't smart enough to do that. But, but, you know, like, you know, but he had to step out and be completely separated from the safety of the boat, and then he walked on water. There was an act of faith that preceded every miracle in Scripture. It's a principle. If I walk by what I see, I will stop and give up. But we know this Christian life, that there's eyes that we see things physically, but there are spiritual eyes that we see things spiritually. And these disciples looked into those pictures and saw clean water, but their hearts told them, we're going to do what he told us to do, because I think there's a miracle coming. As I begin to close, and our band's going to come out, Jesus, when he said, he looked around, and he's, you know, he's in this room And he's probably like, Mom, you and I are going to have a talk after this wedding. (laughs) He's looking around and, you know, what do we have? Well, we've got these ceremonial pots over here in the corner. And I'm sure Jesus is kind of like, okay, I can use that. I can work with that. If that's what you've got, 
Give me what you have. Give me everything that you have, and I can work with that. As our hosts begin to come off at this time, and we're going to pass out something. I know last week we had you write down the vision for your life, but we wanted to bless you today. We've got these cylinders here that um, we want you to take, and I want to explain with you what these are about, and we're going to hand these out to you. We want you to unscrew them, and inside is a piece of paper that's rolled up. We want you to pull that paper out and grab a pen because we've ordered like 90,000 pens, and we need storage room in our office because we can't even open the door. There's so many pens. So take the pen home for the love of God. It's a gift. We spared no expense for you today. I think it's like a quarter for like 5,000 of them. They're, they're, they'll last you about a week. Um, so I want you to unroll the paper. And this is what I want you to write down on that paper. What are the big things in your life that you're believing for this year? Things that don't even exist yet. Things that in the natural, you say there's no way possible God can do that. But you're going you're gonna to write down what those big things are that you're believing God for this year, that you're trusting Him for. And then I also want you to write down on that paper ways that you need to make room in your life for God to use you to accomplish those big things. In this story, the old water had to be poured out of the, the stone jars to make room for the fresh water. Maybe God is telling you that there's breakthrough coming, but there's some things in your life that you need to get rid of. You need to eliminate out of your life to make room for the good things that God has for you. We see all through Scripture that God moves in the most unlikely ways to a widow that Elisha had contact with. He said, go gather as many jars as you can from your neighbors. And the more jars she gathered, the more oil she was able to get. And when the last jar was used up, the oil stopped running. And there are stories on and on and on. What, what do we have to feed these 5,000 people? Just some fish and some bread. Give, give, give me that. And when the very last person was, was fed, the miracle was done. I want you to write on that paper, there's things that God has been speaking to you about making room for Him in your life. and There's things that He wants to use you for. There's things He wants to do in your life. Maybe you're desperate for something. I want you to write all that down. Then I'm going to show you a handy little trick here. You take this piece of paper when you're done, and you wind it really tight around the pen. If you didn't take the pen, just wind it really tight. And you have to put the paper in the cap, not in the cylinder, in the cap. And then it'll screw right into that cylinder perfectly. If you try to do it the other way, it won't go together. I want you to take this cylinder and I want you to put it on your keychain or someplace where you're going to see it every day. And it's going to be a reminder to you. No one else is going to see what's in here. It's going to be a reminder to you that you are saying to God, I'm available, God, for you to use me. I'm, I'm making room for you in my life. I want, I want you to be filled with your word to the brim today because I want to be poured out. I want you to do big things in my life, in me and through me. And every day that you see this this year, it's going to be a reminder to you of all that God wants to do. Praise God. 
feel like there's vision in the house and that God is God is speaking to people right now as they're writing these things that he can't write fast enough. And you're like, is this too is this too outrageous for me to write down? Is this too big? Is this too impossible? Write it down. Praise God. I'm believing for big things for your life. Do me a favor. I shared this with the first service today. When that breakthrough comes and those miracles come and that thing that you wrote down takes place, would you do me a favor? Could you send me an email or a letter and let me know? Because I want to rejoice with you and I want to celebrate with you. I want to know what God is doing in the lives of people and the hearts of people. I believe that God wants to do things beyond what you could ever imagine. Could we stand? And now let's just celebrate. Let's just lift up the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The one who holds it all together, but the one who's speaking words in your life. Things that don't exist yet, but that, that will. The God that, that knows you intimately. The God that has a plan for your life. It's time that we stop living half full and start living to the brim to where we can be poured out and overflowing. Amen. So, Father, we just thank you today. And we, we just, these things that we've written down, we dedicate to you. We give to you, God. And we just ask you, God, to move mightily in our lives. To move beyond the physical and go into the extraordinary. That, Lord, there are breakthroughs and things coming, God, that we can't even picture yet, but that you've already ordained for them to take place. So today we commit these things to you, these little cylinders, as a reminder, God, of your word over our lives. We thank you and we praise you. And now, God, we want to worship you because you are worthy. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. Let's just take a couple of minutes and worship God today. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.